it's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path, off the beaten path. We're Man, I wish the Coen brothers would have directed a Harry Potter movie. That would have been hot and weird. Maybe they're doing maybe it would have been really cool coming up on HBO Max. What is that? I don't know. It's a reunion thing. They're gonna show clips. Is it like the Friends reunion? I it's think not, so. I think okay, that's exactly it's not what it's Harry, Ron, and Hermione meeting up at Hogwarts again. No, no, no. But they're, they're, my feeling is it's the 20th anniversary, and what they're trying to do is clear the house, put a period on it so that they can move on uh, and do their new Harry Potter series. So. It sounds interesting, and the series sounds great, and all those things. But also, like, I hope she who should not be named doesn't make any more money off of it, which is not possible. So, you know, that's where we're living. That's the world we're living in. But all is well because we're not here to talk about Harry Potter. Well, y'all started it. I started it. It's my fault. (laughs) Um, It was a bad bit. I think it's a great bit. bit. Um, But we have a lot to talk about today because this is this is a great episode. I'm actually pretty pumped about it. How do you know it's a great episode? I know for I've already listened to it. I did. We've been, we've been watching a lot of time travel stuff, so we've been there. Recently. I have a time turner. I have a uh, melange induced uh, prescience because uh, of all the. Dune oh, now we're doing Dune. Yeah, let's do. Let's stuff. <laughs> let's just do Dune. Let's pivot right now. Let's do a Dune episode. I need to see it a second time. Still, it's I've seen it three times now, and I'm I'm kind of obsessed with it. I've seen it twice in 3D, once in IMAX. I do prefer the 3D, but the IMAX is stellar. Everyone should go see it. Not sponsored by Dune. Not sponsored by Dune. Or I, I have seen Eternals twice now. Okay. And I've I liked seen it, it better the second time. I did too. Yeah. Uh, it's a uh, no, spoiler alert for our Marvel episodes that are coming up, but it may have cracked a really high number in my rankings. And that's all I'm going to say. Well, um, not me. But that's okay. I liked, I that's all right. Yeah. It's a new form of uh, movie for the Marvel universe, and I think I will uh, convince you otherwise. It's going to be actually. I've never it. been able to convince you of anything, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, what, I, CJ, I, I, what? I People have a hard time with change sometimes. That's all, especially stuff like Marvel. Yeah, it's because you know. I've heard plenty of people be like, uh, I, I mentioned I went back to my first rehearsal since quarantine last night, and I feel like totally re-energized. But I brought up like that I'd seen Eternals twice and everyone was like i'm sorry it's crappy and i was like what so yeah people there were people that didn't like it i liked it i just didn't Mm -hmm. uh i we'll we'll talk about it we'll save it it. here's my take the the movie is about whether or not we deserve to live as a human race and the way that it tackles religion while also being like kind of atheist is sort of my favorite thing on the planet not atheist (laughs) but a robotist yeah (laughs) No, like a, it is kind of atheist. Okay, we'll talk about it. Okay, okay. There's a lot you know to say. You know what the exact, you, you, so know, you could usually, you could have literally used those same words to describe Dune. So where are we at? It's the huge crossover. That's Let why they happen. rock. That's why it's they a, rock. Okay. Here we go. All right. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds. 
were obviously a few of those. <laughs> Made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights. But this week, per usual, uh, right now we're on our break time where we're just taking a little load off. We're letting ourselves relax. And we are doing some unstuffs. Scott, it's a Scott's pick. It's an in-stuff and it's a Scott's pick. That's what yeah. I was trying to say. Yeah. Scott, what was your pick? My pick uh, was the 1991 uh, Coen Brothers movie, Barton Fink, for several reasons. <gasps> um, I was, what are they? Uh, well, I was forced to make a decision quickly because my brain wasn't working. Wow. Um, but we, uh, I, I, it was a little bit of a meta thing because... It's a movie about a playwright who comes to Hollywood, and we're a podcast about playwrights that's in Hollywood, uh, and we've been talking about movies and things like that. It's the 30th anniversary of it, and I had rewatched it recently, and it's one of those movies that I'd seen in the theater when it first came out, and it just sort of keeps repeating every year or two. You know, it's like there's a Barton Fink viewing or a section of Barton Fink on TV, and uh, the conversation comes up and I just was knocked out by so much of it. Just the layers, the density of it, like how much people debate and talk about it. Uh, and then just the raw visceral experience of some amazing character actors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just it's a movie of rock. character actors. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and the, yeah, there's no leading man. There's no handsome anybody in this. And so... Uh, I dug all that and uh, yep. decided to throw it out there. So thanks for letting me in and indulging me. The show. Thanks uh, for I'm, suggesting it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was excited to rewatch it. I hadn't seen it since I was pretty young, actually. When I thought back on it, I was like, I was probably like 14 the last time I saw this movie. Oh, wow. And I, lo- I loved it then. And it's always been up there for me as a Coen Brothers uh, uh, flick. But I have to be completely honest. Um. I have good news and I have bad news. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, which one do you want first? The bad news first. Yeah, The yeah. bad news is that I didn't get to finish a rewatch of it. Okay, okay. That's I right. watched most of it. Yeah. I did not finish the movie. I meant, I remember the ending, but I didn't get to like fully experience the ending again. I'm a little sad about it, but this is going to be interesting. And I have a lot to say even so. The good news is that this movie has come at a very interesting time in my life where I am fully committing and pivoting to being a writer and trying to sell scripts now. Hmm. Yeah. A, I'm announcing it here on the podcast now. Awesome. Everyone knows. Yes. Um, yes. That's, that's my new pivot. I mean, obviously, I'm managing the Playhouse. That's my, my day job. But I have decided that the next step in my evolution, whatever, blah, 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 I want to be a playwright. I want to be a screenwriter. I want to do all that stuff. So I... Uh, have been like deciding to double down on that and then was like, oh yeah, I need to watch Barton Fink and was watching it and was watching it from whole new eyes. Brand new set of eyes just being like, wow. I am, first of all, I'm a totally different person 16 years later. What? 17 years later from the last time that I saw this, obviously. Mm -hmm. But also like now that I've decided that, I was able to like, see things I don't think I was ready to admit to myself yet. Mm. I was able, I got emotional. I was, it's, it, it scared me. I, my heart raced a few times where I was like, Oh yeah, it's going to be like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 
I'm obsessed with this movie. I'm so excited to talk about it. So thank you, Scott. This was, I was a little, when you said it, I was like, eh, okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> right? really, and yeah. then, because I forgot, I forgot. And now I, I apologize. Well, your apology accepted. I, <laughs> it wasn't necessary though. Well, yeah. Well, what about you, Siege? Had you ever seen it before? I, What's your context? I ain't never watched this movie before. Ain't never. <laughs> um, and I didn't know anything about it. And I, I've kind of been this way seeing plays, too, uh, where it's just like, I'm not going to even, I think I looked up like the- Have you seen the, a play before? <laughs> I've never seen a theater. Never. Um, I've kind of just like walking in completely blind. Like I'm not going to look it up. I'm not going to do any research on it. Of course, inevitably, I get in the middle of it, and I'm start. I start wondering, especially because it's filmed in LA. Like where where were the locations and and cast members and things like that. But I will say, as soon as John Goodman's name popped up in the opening, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I have loved him since. He's always good. It's since Roseanne. We watch that every fucking week in my house. And I just, I love him always. So I knew it was going to be great. And then, and then there was fucking John Mahoney. And there's so many. It's such a great cast. It's, it's, yeah. I just, We're going to step through it and do a performance review yeah, too. Because good, there are good, some good. insane performances. There's insane there are. Performances there are. There. Um, uh, yeah. The other day somebody posted, what's the, your, your most, uh, the, the Oscar nomination that should have been received that didn't and i'm like goodman and barton fink and it got like like a shitload of responses like yeah like what like people you know i i think i don't know if people fully took him seriously and i don't know if you fully knew how to digest what he was doing like right and he was doing some weird awesome dark funny shit but I, I will say, being like a big fucking nerd for true crime, I'm like, uh, no, he, he nailed it. He nailed it. <laughs> like when, when you figure out who he is, like, do you it's figure like, out oh, who he is? Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, mm. I will, we'll get into it. I don't want to ruin anything here at the top. Yeah. So you're ruining it. You're ruining it. It's ruined. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. So we're we're here. We're queer. We're cut that out oh uh, we're, we're <laughs> triple it nope. some of us are um okay so i think it's it's time to get into it what do we want to do first or do we want to do do we want to do this one cj's breakdown or do we want to do this one scottpedia um why don't we do why don't we reverse it and have uh cj's breakdown is that cool cj yeah it's totally cool i got right it here uh, okay pick- well so let's introduce it right yeah. um so uh <laughs> this is the thing this is this is cj's breakdown cj's breakdown picture it New York City, 1941. No. <laughs> Successful Broadway playwright Barton Fink is hired to write some B screenplays for a Hollywood studio of the old studio system. He is plagued with writer's block and eventually a bizarre and abrupt chain of events. Hmm. <laughs> I don't want to ruin anything. I no, it's true. It's you don't, you it's can't. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think we should actually... I. And maybe y'all don't feel this way, and t- tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe we should do less plot discussion because there's a lot to talk about in terms of 
theme and um, performance and writing and directing and and cinematography, which we'll get to. Uh, but w- maybe we don't say so much plot stuff because <laughs> I think people need to watch this movie. Yeah, let's uh, let's as mu- as best we can. We'll spoil a couple but, things. But I have a list of questions completely missing the point that I want to ask. Oh, great! No, you should do that. You should <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. Yeah. But we'll <laughs> when we get to that, we'll warn and we'll be like, okay. if you haven't seen this movie, maybe don't listen to okay, this section. Good. Let's right. leave it for the end. Yeah. Just try not to spoil <laughs> no, no, no. Ma- massive I'll wait. things. That's I'll all. I'll wait till the uh, end. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Oh, or maybe oh, just, hey, hey, friends, hey, listeners, go just pause. Pause, just pause right now and go pause. watch this movie. It's go an watch hour the movie. and 50 minutes. It's Come not that back. long. It's yeah. really quick. It watches quick. It, and it's um, delightful. It's a, it's a quick watch. Yeah. I haven't had any time at all to myself or at home so i had that's why i wasn't able to get through it but i was watching it in like yes, 10 minute Bailey segments wasn't able to finish it Isn't that insane? i was watching uh 10 minute segments uh though throughout yeah. work i um, too watched it in hunks yesterday. yeah and it was it's so watchable and it's so good and i can't wait to talk about it but now it's time to understand more about <laughs> this film and um film? The way that we do that is we ask our dearest friend Scat Leggett to uh, do this thing right here. Scottpedia. <laughs> Scottpedia. Barton Fink is a 1991 American period black comedy psycho psychological thriller film written, produced, edited, and directed by the Coen brothers. You so forgot 19- phantasmagorical. Phantasmagorical. There's another big word I'm going to use here in a, mo- in a, in a bit. Okay. Uh, set in 1941, it stars John Turturro in the title role as a young New York City playwright who is hired to write scripts for a film studio in Hollywood, and John Goodman as Charlie Meadows, the insurance salesman who lives next door at the rundown Hotel Earl. <laughs> uh, Barton Fink was the Coen Brothers' fourth movie after Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, and Miller's Crossing, all completely different films. Uh, the Coens wrote the screenplay to Barton Fink in three weeks while experiencing oh, right. experiencing difficulty during the writing of Miller's Crossing, which mm. is an extraordinary film, by the way. Barton Fink had its uh, premiere at the Caen, Caen Film Festival in May of 1991. It's pronounced Cans? Cans. Caen? Cans? Caen. Like Kansas? Caen. 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 No. Okay. In a rare sweep, it won the Palme d'Or, as well as awards for the Best Director and Best Actor, John Turturro. That the is the first film to do that. I think it was really? the first film. Yeah, it doesn't happen. They they do a very good job of sort of spreading out the wealth of those awards I'm for that. Pretty sure it was also unanimous chosen for the Palme d'Or. Yeah, yeah, which is also pretty rare. Which is pretty rare. Yeah. The Palme um, d'Or. Palme d'Or. Palme d'Or. <laughs> Palme d'Or. Uh, Palme d'Or. Uh, it received only three Oscar noms for costumes, art direction, and supporting actor for Michael Lerner, which is fine, but it should have been John Goodman. Fine, should have uh, been Goodman. Yeah. He's great in it, though, too. Lerner's He's great, great in it, too, yeah. yeah. Uh, the diverse elements of the film have led to it to de- defy efforts to at genre classification, uh, with the work being variously referred to as film noir, a horror film, a, uh, a, a Roman, and a buddy <laughs> film. Um, Say that one for me again. It's Kunsterroman. What's that? A Kunsterroman, by literal definition, is a novel that is about a painter, a writer, or a poet. 
Um, it is uh-huh. it has grown a bit so that it's it's about film or plays that are about artists. I've learned mm. something new today. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also described. Knowledge is power, guys. Knowledge is power. But uh, it's also the Coens have also described it as a buddy film, which is fascinating to me. Um, the character it does. The character of Barton Fink is loosely based on playwright Clifford Odets. Uh, the character of W.P. Mayhew is based on William Faulkner. Uh, Ethan Cohen explained in 1998, I read this story in passing that Faulkner was assigned to write a wrestling picture. That was part of what got us going on this whole Barton Fink hmm. thing. Uh, as they designed detailed storyboards for Barton Pink, the Coens began looking Pink? for... A... Fink? Pink Fink. Barton Pink? Barton Bink. Barton Bink. <laughs> Barton Bink. <laughs> We're writing it. And take a note. Bailey, We're doing it. take a note. I've got it. The Weird Thank Al you. version of yeah, Barton yeah. Fink. Um, <laughs> the, the Coens had to begin looking for a new cin- cinematographer since their associate, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, who had filmed their first three films. We love was, Barry. Yeah, we did. Was occupied with his own directorial debut called The Addams Family. One of the uh, best movies of all time. Ever. <laughs> followed by one of the best other movies of all time, uh, Adam Saley values. Well, uh, <laughs> the Coens had been impressed with the work of English cinematographer Roger Deakins, who's probably the. We're gonna talk about him. Oh yeah, we'll get Particularly into it. Particularly the uh, interior scenes of the 1988 film Stormy Monday, which is a great small British flick. If you haven't seen it, watch Stormy Monday. Uh, so they hired him. Uh, the Coens worked well with Deakins, and they easily translated their ideas for each scene onto film. There was only one moment we surprised him. Joel Cohen recalled later, uh, an extended scene. Called Called for a tracking shot out of the bedroom and into a sink uh, and into a sink drain plug hole in the adjacent bathroom as a symbol of sexual intercourse. Yes, very sexy. The shot was a lot of fun, and we had a great time working out how to do it. Joel said, but after that. Uh, after that, anytime we asked Roger to do something difficult, he would raise an eyebrow and say, "Don't have me going down a track down a, a plug hole again, will you?" Um, yeah. Uh, so see, filming began in June of 1990 and took eight weeks. Boo. Uh, sorry. Uh, and the estimated final budget for the film was only $9 million. The Coens edit their uh, movies themselves because of rules for membership in film production guilds. They are required to use a pseudonym, hence the name Roderick Janes, who has been credited with editing uh, every Coen Brothers movie. Mm. Oh. And the Coens are known for making films that uh, defy simple classification. Yeah. hence That is true. They could be described as literal postmodernists, but through very specific filters, I suppose. And that's my heady bullshit quote of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. You know what's interesting about the Coen brothers to me, and I maybe I'm wrong, but you know how you can tell, and I'm about to ask you what your top three Coen brothers movies are, so get that ready. Oh my God, I don't know. What's interesting to me is like when I'm watching an Aaron Sorkin movie, Mm-hmm. I know I'm watching an Aaron Sorkin movie. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm in for. I know that that's same with Fincher in a way. Um, same with um, well, less so Fincher, but kind of uh, Tarantino for sure. Uh, these auteur sort of authors, Lynch, oh, Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, Gilliam, people like this that you're sort of like, I know what I'm in for when I go to this movie. They're not gonna like change up their style a lot. The Coen Brothers, I would argue 
are the best at sort of changing that up. Now, there are a few that you could definitely put in the realm of, like, these are sort of similar. But, mm-hmm. like, this doesn't feel like a Coen Brothers movie most of the time. Not if you're comparing it way. to other things. Yeah, I think it feels the closest to Miller's Crossing in a lot of ways, sure. just in terms of, of, of style. Um, but no, they, you know, they have evolved and the way that they, uh, have assembled, you're, you're right. And Tarantino is a perfect example. Who's a a person who's used very specific elements from the past to create a a modern piece that is postmodernism. The Coens are, seem to be drawing from a far more vast array of stuff. They're pulling from, from Polanski to Hitchcock, but then they're, they're, you know, they're they're pulling like you know weird, you know, uh, um, Eastern European things as well, right? And you can feel all that sort of intersecting, as well as just they're so literate. Like there's Shakespeare quotes in here that uh, I was surprised to discover this time around, and um, the way they pull their stuff and sort of insert their stuff and create these layers yeah it's it's different but i get what you're saying it does like you know but then you have you have true grit you have and it doesn't feel i mean i could be wrong about this i haven't watched true grit in a while and i do love true grit i think true grit doesn't necessarily always feel like a coen brothers movie no right i mean it has the script but it distinctly is but yes you're correct it is distinctly that's that's what it is scott coen brothers movies are distinctly coen brothers movies but I don't know that they like necessarily have a style. Maybe in their scripts, but like directorially, I don't know that their style is something that I would always recognize movie if you to movie watched, if I if didn't you, know the movies already. Yeah, if you watched Hudsucker Proxy right. and then watched True True Grit, yeah, those do not. You would not. Some a, a, a novice would certainly not know that those were done by the same people. CJ, what are your favorite? Coen Brothers movies. I was just looking at their list. I've I've seen Raising Arizona. It was a long time ago, and I don't yeah. remember it. But then I've seen like the big ones that I feel like people talked about a whole bunch. I've seen The Big Lebowski. I've seen yeah. Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and No Country for Old Men. I'm yeah. stoked to see Macbeth for Christmas. Oh, cool! Um, but, the, but that's technically not a Coen Brothers movie. That's true. We may have we may be at the end. We may have seen our last Coen Brothers movie. That's true. I, it's just one, but it is one a Coen, right? But yeah, a Coen Brother movie. But that's um, a perfect example because that's Joel and mm-hmm. that's directing the Scottish play and and that's entirely different. But there's so like there's this feeling in Barton Fink that it it feels like a mid. 20th century great novel you know what i mean it feels like a novel as much as it feels like a film right and i think that's because they're so steeped in literature as much as they are in the language of film oh guys i forgot to tell you i love ranking shit i want to hear your rankings go cj three two one um of the movies you've seen oh uh uh barton fink big lebowski and then no country for old men i remember i saw that in theaters and it scared me so hard but i was so fascinated by javier bardem and then i went and watched like randomly picked out this like spanish film that he was in that he was playing a quadriplegic yeah 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 Uh, wow and and just a completely different character he's amazing yeah he's He's about to play uh desi arnaz yeah, I'm interested to see that. Uh, the pictures look interesting. Uh, I yeah, 
I just yeah. I, I think it's going to be phenomenal. We'll talk about that. I, I I read an article that was an interview with Sorkin, and I was like, oh, I, I get it now. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. You're not trying to do them. You're trying to do who they were off screen and, like, all this Which other stuff. Kind Which is kind of brutal. Yeah. It is, right. And I think that's what he's trying to show. That's why it's right. Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem, too, like, people mm-hmm. who have lived some lives. Um, yeah. We'll get into that someday. Maybe we'll – we should cover that for sure when that comes out. That's an interesting one. I'd love uh, to. But, uh, Scott, three, two, one. Oh, man, that's really tough. Um, oh, also, Siege, I love No Country for Old Men. That's an awesome top pick. And also, there's no score in that movie. That's why that movie works. I think works. that's what made yeah. it so fucking creepy, too. Yeah, it just yeah. crazy the shit. whole just time. More, it's just a soundscape, and it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I will go... Gosh, I'll go Fargo, Barton Fink, uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, that's just off the top of my head. That'll change uh. if I did it, if I had to, wow. if I had time. But off the top of my head, that's where I'm gonna go. I think I would say three is raising Arizona, two is Fargo, and one is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I've I'm seen not, that one too. I yeah. just the soundtrack in that is so glorious, so beautiful. Yeah, it's one of those movies that I I just put on all the time. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of those movies, but that one might be one in the top like few of the ones that I'm just like, oh, I need I need some O Brother right now. They, I really love that movie. They really get into a period, like yeah, they, yeah. they hop oh, yeah. all over the place, but they just dive in because like I this reminded me too of like this movie uh, Barton Fink just like. Th- <sighs> Old Hollywood was just beautiful. The old buildings, that bathroom in his hotel room. I had that bathroom. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. Like, I had that old, same sink, same tile, everything, except my tile was purple. It was like lavender tile. Wow. That's fucking radical and very 70s of you. Um, I, uh, I'm, I I really love the look of this film. Mm -hmm. I really think, you know, now watching it i was like oh yeah i feel the cohen but also i kept being like it's i feel like i'm watching a terry gilliam movie a little bit because there's that or even like not kubrick but there's some shining moments there's definitely some of that there that hotel there's, hallway is pretty creepy there's definitely an homage or two towards those well long he's a writer falling into madness yeah, in yeah, some yeah, ways yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it's very similar anyway but then you have this gilliam which what I love about Gilliam films is how dirty they feel. Yeah. Mm. Like how sweaty they feel and just kind of icky and gooey. There's and this dirt movie under the has finger. that. Yeah. There's dirt under the fingers. The, one of the first times you really notice it is in the Hotel Earl when they come in. And it's the Steve Buscemi scene, right? It's the... it's Chet. The, I'm Chet. <laughs> Chet. I'm Chet. Yeah. And it's the bell that rings all the way until oh, he touches it. Was it. Brilliant. It was great. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I remember the first thing that creeped me out was the wallpaper. Like the first time it fell down, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with that wallpaper? And you know what's interesting about that? It's only after John Goodman is in there that that <gasps> falls down. John Ooh. Goodman comes in so sweaty and yes. so icky He's and brings sweat. this energy that never leaves that room for the rest of the fucking movie. Mm. And also, does he win like sweatiest actor of all time? <laughs> award i think he might for this certainly like and and just the idea of the heat and the humidity repeating throughout the thing and uh throughout the whole movie and then and then the inside and the the, you feel like you're in this other world and there they wanted to bring i read uh, uh 
uh, a putrid feel to the yeah. hotel and they're it's rotting and john goodman is rotting he's got his ear thing and then you have the, then you have the ear thing where he needs the cotton for his ear to drain the pus but then barton <laughs> uses the cotton in the ears to silence the rest of the world and not listen and like it's just those little layers of things that i'm just like god damn and i kept Go ahead, I, go ahead. I kept hoping they were filming that in the in Hotel Cecil, but it wasn't. It Alas. wasn't. No. <laughs> they no, had to build a special set, I guess, right. down in Long Beach for the fire stuff. And it was just <gasps> a guy with a valve. And as Goodman ran, they would torch the thing and then they would reset. And then they built a second version and they would go and shoot the pickup shots on the other set while they reset and rebuilt the the from the first shot so right. it was crazy how also all that hotel stuff has that delicatessen kind of look or like that you yeah, know yeah that was another big um, influence that comes is that Genet feel that's his name uh, jean-pierre Genet. jean-pierre that's it, right. Genet. he does he does great stuff like i love delicatessen um amelie is a beautiful film obviously city of lost children city of lost children and so uh, a movie that is overlooked all the time but if you look at it from the point of view of it being a Genet movie Alien Resurrection, one of the greatest. I don't movies. hate Alien. I don't hate Alien Resurrection. I kind of put an <laughs> asterisk next to it. It's good. It's it's kind of fun and bizarre and and, and it's good. We'll talk about it we'll someday because it's really good. I also loved. I I just I loved the hotel that they filmed in, and I loved the whole concept of like. And maybe I maybe I just relate to it because I've been in this apartment building for eight years. The weird noises I hear all the time from my neighbors all around me, and I've never actually met any of them but yeah. i've been here forever <laughs> well and that's the other interesting thing that that happens with the hotel he goes into the hotel he never sees anybody else other than goodman and chet mm-hmm. there's they they talk about the couple down the hall or right. next door that's having sex but the only indication that there are other people are the shoes being cleaned mm-hmm. and, right. and and so you know that there are other people there you just never see them and so it's this weird isolation that that he gets put in uh, which is a, a, a semi obvious i guess metaphor of like the writer struggle in la which i think people feel definitely sure. or the artist struggle in general sure um, any, any writer's it block. works yeah it yeah. works when you see that imagery you're like oh yeah it is awful <laughs> it is uh, so lonely living in this apartment box mine uh, one of my first thoughts was i was like everyone leaves their shoes outside no one takes them <laughs> Except the shoe shiner. Right. Exactly. Um, I guess they they wanted the hotel to feel like it was John Goodman. That it was merely, that he was the personification of this hotel in every possible way. That's a very Charlie Kaufman idea, I feel like. It is. Oh, you can feel, yeah, you can feel where Kaufman was in. This is one of his favorite movies. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. That makes total sense. Yeah. And it should be. I mean, it's. You can see it in Synecdoche, New York. You can see the the ties. Yeah. It's absolutely. Oh, we have to cover that. Fuck, that's my next Insta. I don't care. I give a fuck. That's my next Insta. We're watching Synecdoche. I haven't watched that in a while. God, um, I fucking love that movie. Um, I also dug um, the um, the name of uh, of Fink's play, which is Bear, <laughs> Bear Ruined Choirs, which yeah. is from a Shakespeare sonnet. Right. Um, mm, that's right. That's t- right. Took that title from. Uh, I think it was like Sonnet 73 or something like that. But it's just this, that's just one of those other little things. And like what the cop's name 
the cops' names are like uh, Mastriani and and Deutsch, Italian and German, and that's right right as the war is starting. And, and I loved the detective scenes. They are oh, scenes yeah. like, and those scenes felt the most like theater to me. You're, yeah. you're a sick fuck, also, Fink. But but it also felt like um, noir to me too, because sure. I know when I was oh, reading yeah. a little bit about this, they said it could be considered a noir also. And yeah, yeah, it's... this is a transcending of genres here in a way that I don't know that. I mean, the, uh, maybe that's what the Cohen sensibility is. We have people screaming at the podcast right now, like, "Of course, the Cohen <laughs> brothers have a style that's recognizable." Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the sort of I don't know. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. It's. Again, I think that they, you know, and and it's interesting to think about it. If you guys have seen Miller's Crossing, which is the movie that they were having trouble with that caused them to go right. off and go, Let, let's shake this off and write this thing. And it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel bogged down at all. That movie is fucking hot. Like, it goes and it doesn't stop. Also, John Turturro is also in Miller's Crossing. He's only mm. in it for two scenes. I think it's like eight minutes of film time. And it is the most upsetting performance I've ever seen. Yep. Like it oh. is, it it's will been a minute since you. I've seen it, but it's, it, it yeah. will, he basically is, is a dude that's being walked out into the woods to be killed by the mob. And he's Fuck. just begging for his life. Oh. And We're going to talk about to, It's fucking great. Yeah. Totoro. There's a lot to say there before though. I want to, before we get there, I think I want to talk about Roger Deakins because we were talking yes. about the look of the film, right? Mm -hmm. Roger Deakins, I know everyone like knows him because he wins a lot of Oscars and stuff, but can I, I'm just going to read some of his IMDb real quick. Yeah, just do yeah, it because it's it. fucking nuts. I think it's worth it. Okay, we're going, we're going pretty far back here. Okay, we're going to 1980, nope, 1970s. He's been doing it since the 70s. But he was mostly doing small, independent British movies. Exactly. So he does Sid and Nancy. That's the one that sort of puts him on, on the map. Okay. Then you have Barton Fink. Thunderheart, which is worth mentioning because it's a funny movie. Yeah. Um, the Secret Garden, The Hudsucker Proxy, The Shawshank Redemption, mm. Fargo, The Big Lebowski, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, The Man Who Wasn't There, A Beautiful Mind. Man Who mm. Wasn't There, which I believe he won. It was black and white, and I believe he won. Uh, I don't. He, he didn't win till later. That was the big thing with Deacons is that. Oh, that's right. He okay. kept losing. He would. He would. That's right. Out. Oh, right. He had and like he had like fourteen yeah. nominations in a row. And a beautiful the, mind, which is a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. uh, Intolerable cruelty, which is a good-looking movie, but not a good movie. No, uh, it's one of their lower tiered. House of Sand and Fog, another one that not a good good movie, but a good-looking movie. Mm -hmm. The Village. M. Yeah. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Wow. No Country for Old Men. Oh, Jarhead. No Country for Old Men. Doubt. Uh -huh. This is his hot streak. Here we go. Dirt. Dirt. <laughs> the Reader. Revolutionary Road. A Serious Man. Maybe my number four Coen Brothers movie. The Company Men. True Grit. He's the cinematography consultant on Rango, a movie we have to cover. Right. We talked about it before. Skyfall. Yep. All right. Prisoners, which is a phenomenal huge Prisoners is great. Yep, yep. Uh, Unbroken, which is also a really good-looking movie uh, Angelina Jolie directed. Um, Sicario, Hail Caesar, 
Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful films to be made in the last I ever, think that's what he ever. won I think that's what he won for. Yes. I might be wrong. Okay. And then 1917 which he won for. Oh mm. yes, that's it. Yeah. Right. And then he also did The Goldfinch which I heard was beautiful but I haven't but is also terrible. And then um Empire of Light is the movie he's working on uh right now which is Sam Mendes' film mm. with yes. Olivia Coleman and Michael <gasps> Ward. Oh, oh nice. Oh my god. I mean, I'm, I'm a big man. Olivia oh, Coleman stan. She's my hero. I, we stan a legend. I love her so much. Yeah. I fell in love with her when I saw The Favorite. It like I saw it at the Cinerama Dome and it like changed my life. That film I was like, "Oh my god." It's oh, not I love with her on Peep it. Show. Oh, okay, but so then I was like, I was like, who? What do I know her from? And then I realized, yeah, she's on Peep Show. She's on that Mitchell and Webb look, I think sometimes uh-huh. too. Yeah. And then she freaking is on Broadchurch. Broadchurch, mm-hmm. she's magnificent <sighs> in that. Yeah, she's, she's so amazing. Good. I love her. But she and... was so transformative in the favorite that I just didn't <sighs> recognize her. And no. she's great in the Crown. <laughs> and she, I haven't watched oh, the yeah. Crown. Yeah. I love it. We gotta watch love it. the crown. Uh, speaking of the crown, we should plug it as many times as possible. You should go watch the Diana musical because we're going to talk about it next week. <laughs> next week, Diana. It's okay. just like the crown. Hey, <laughs> uh, something else that I read, and Scott, correct me if, or delete this if you already said this, but I don't, I don't think I heard you say it. Barton Fink, the name, was actually an avatar of writer Clifford Odets. Right, and Clifford Odets was the inspiration for the character got it okay cool and faulkner faulkner was for john mahoney the uh wp mayhew speaking of mahoney let's do a performance review how do y'all feel about that he's like he i mean like let's step through the cast like we don't have to start with him oh yeah i got a whole list here like yeah yeah. totoro is fantastic i really feel like he is one of our, uh, and I say our, I mean American underrated people. I've never had the pleasure of seeing him on stage, but apparently he's marvelous on stage with all of his Coen Brothers shit, all of the Adam, random Adam Sandler shit that he did. He's oh, done. yeah. Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds, yeah. That's when he pops off as like someone people start recognizing hardcore yeah. in the more populist film goer and, realm. And, yeah. And then again, to go back to that Miller's Crossing, I mean... It just one of those insane performances when you realize eight minutes on screen, eight minutes out of a two hour plus movie. And he steals that movie from some grand fucking masters. Yeah. You know, Albert Finney is in that movie. Gabriel Burns in that movie. Like some badass dudes. And he's he's great in Barton Fink, but he's surrounded by so many large characters and like crazy character actors like. That he, he just, well, and then he t- intentionally turns it down too. Right. Sure. Sure. Turns he's it down. the Coen brothers, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's the one just watching it all happen, experiencing it. And so we're kind of just on the ride with him, but it works. Yeah. You're right. No, though. he's great. He's great, though. He's also the original Danny in Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. That's hmm. right. Okay. Yeah. Which is batshit considering that role. Yeah. And this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, what I mean, they're just like so far from each other. But he well, he's got an he, insane IMDb. We love John Turturro. Yeah, and you think about him in Lebowski, you know. Yeah, like, he's again, great in another. It's like again, he's probably on screen for three fucking minutes. It's like, Do you know they made us an unauthorized sequel to he did. Lebowski he actually, that is him producing it, yeah, and it's yeah. about his character. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Jesus. 
Um, okay, he's also phenomenal in Quiz Show. I had to shout that out because oh, yeah, I really yeah. like that movie. Oh, great Ray Fiennes performance in that too. Yeah. He's yeah. he's great in everything he ever does. Secret Window is kind of a weird like horror film that he popped up in. That who is he playing in the new Batman movie? Can you name it without looking it up? John Turturro. Yeah. No, I did know this. And he now is I can't in remember. the new no. Batman film with Robert Pattinson, which the new trailer for looks pretty good. The Vampire know. Batman. That's interesting. The Mobius. He's no, no. Oh he's oh, not. Oh. He's not a vampire. He's 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 an agent I, for I, tenant, and he, <laughs> and we love him. Stop, stop. I just mean that Robert Pattinson was a vampire, and now he's playing. Oh Batman. yes, yeah. you're correct. Well, but, who is he playing? Oh, in I don't know. Who's he in that? <laughs> Jesus I don't know. Christ, y'all. I don't know. Carmine. Falcone. Oh, that makes sense. That's actually a good cast. It's great casting. cast. Oh, yeah. I think that's smart. Anyway, we love him. He's got a lot of good stuff coming up. He's also in the new Pinocchio that's coming out that's in post-production. Um, I don't know who he's playing. It's the new Disney Whatchamahoozie. Yeah. Uh, he's playing Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> no, that's Ewan McGregor. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I was it's, guessing. It's, I didn't know they were making another Pinocchio. Filch is playing Geppetto. It's also not seeming to be so much live action. It's seeming to be a little bit closer to like a, um, oh, Tim Blake Nelson's in it. Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz. It's a very white cast. <laughs> John Turturro. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo del Toro directing. All right. All right. Oh, so it's, it's going to be, be creature. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Might be terrible. Okay. Anyway, so I don't know why we got off on there. So, what do you rank him? Pass or fail? Oh, Totoro. Oh, pass. 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 Does anyone sure. fail in this movie? No, nobody. Do I need fails. to ask that question ever again. No, I don't I, think not so. for me, man. Like, okay. No. John Goodman. I, get, I, I love think. Him. I mean, what's what's frustrating is that I don't think people really understand how good he is. Like, no, he's in my top five actors. He's the best. When I first Male think actors. about the first time I saw him was in. Uh, it was either the Tonys or it was some special about Big River because he played Paul right. in the original Big River. And then he was uh, the coach in Revenge of the Nerds. That's right. Yeah. And it just Dad like, and, government. and then just, you know, raising Arizona and, and, and then Roseanne, like he was, he was the linchpin for Roseanne along with Laurie Metcalf that, really made that show otherwise it just it wouldn't have been what it still is Laurie Metcalf yeah, is definitely one of my Roseanne. acting inspirations Laurie Metcalf yeah she's grand her. she's grandmaster status yeah I just I love John Goodman because he's he's always done such good work whether he's playing a character actor or like the dad in Roseanne he can do serious he can do funny he can do it really well and now he's getting older which means he's gonna be I'd love to see him play like fucking big daddy in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or something I think he like did that. I think he played it at the Geffen a few yeah, years ago god damn it and I missed it but yeah. I just I'm excited like he's going to be good until the day he dies yeah. he's well, been and awesome he's... in everything I've ever seen him in Cloverfield 10 Cloverfield Lane one of his oh, best performances oh yeah oh my god and um what was the uh the um the one the well he's in argo he's phenomenal in argo uh, atomic blonde with, oh uh, yeah he was great he plays that. the boss and and it's it's a fucking it's and we a, can't forget uh, one of his best performances of all time on the show community <laughs> yeah as, as the air conditioner <laughs> yeah. i love him in, in air conditioner 
Emperor's New Groove is a phenomenal. And he's uh, a, gr- a great singer and like. He's uh, just a good actor. He's just, it, he's he's all honesty. He's so grounded no matter what fucking crazy character or not crazy character he's playing. I love He's him. an American treasure. He is an He American also treasure. like pops up in stuff all the time. He does a lot of like random voiceover work. A lot of like, he's just sort of like he's in Transformers Age of Extinction as Hound. <laughs> like what? Who's Hound? It's one of the yeah. I'll come in for a day. Sure, love this kids. Yeah, And then obviously, it. like Monsters Inc. is one of his better, he's you know, known yeah. voiceover things. But he's phenomenal. Sweatiest uh, actor goes to John Goodman. Also, Righteous Gemstones is fantastic. If you haven't watched it, he's oh, really I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I saw I'm... the first episode and loved it. I just didn't get back to it. Is all. I'll it's really good. It. Also, Hot Take: The Connors fucking rules. Yeah. yeah, I haven't it's good. seen that yet. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. Uh, Judy Davis as Audrey Taylor. Oh, she's great. I She's uh, she's an Australian actress, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I know her from Naked Lunch. Yes, and she's popped up in, in – she does a lot of theater, um, and then she's popped up and she played, like, uh, Judy Garland in a, in a Judy Garland biopic, uh, like, TV movie a few years ago that – she received a lot of acclaim for Life with Judy. Life I, with Judy. It was in two thousand one. But I, I think go ahead, Siege. No, I just loved I loved the depth of her role, the whole thing of like being the lover of this tortured, abusive, alcoholic, quote unquote genius, but mm-hmm. also she's kind of the genius behind him and is the one keeping him together. Like her part was just so fucking interesting too. And yeah. She oh yeah. Job. Oh yeah. 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 And when she reveals to him, and she's trying to apologize for it, and you know, she's playing the perfect, you know, the southern dame uh, to perfection, and she's just so she has a, I, you know, I love great stillness in an actor when an actor can just stare down, and like just the way she looks at, at and the way she says, "Botten." Oh, Barton. I also just loved the whole thing of like, because by the time it was the night before that he was supposed to present to the producer and he had nothing and he called her panicking and she came, I was panicking with him. Oh yeah. About his deadline and her coming in and saying, it's going to be fine. It's it. We're going to, we're, it'll be fine. And I was like almost screaming at my laptop, like how, how is it going to be fine? <laughs> and then and then just the revelation and then the turn and then what's in the box what's in the box what's in the box don't step on my questions okay <laughs> what's in the box i did say that too during this movie <laughs> well let's talk about john it's mahoney when it's head. <laughs> john mahoney i i mean another another character actor that i grew up with we watched every fucking episode of frasier when i was a kid although i know this is pre-frasier right but like that's what i know him as and he, he had like a cool like he didn't start doing it until later like uh and i think he was british or british born like you would think so yeah yeah, that's I, true. I, yeah I think so look he look had a cheeky up. little accent well he is uh in one of my favorite all-time movies say anything Mm. Yes, uh, he's also in Moonstruck, which is a phenomenal film. Eight Men Out. 
Is he an eight men out? Yeah, he. I think he plays the judge, or he plays. He's in that. That was one sure. of his early ones when he had dark hair. He didn't. And he, something I watched recently that he's really just like sweet in. He and Di- Diane Weist, Weist? Uh, are married in it, and it stars Steve Carell, and it's a phenomenal film, and it's called Dan in Real Life. Oh yeah, Dan mm. in Real Life's good. Yeah, he's yeah. super good in that. Highly recommended. I think that was one of his last things. He's passed. He's yeah. passed away. Yeah, he did. I mean, he died in, um, it was like 2015, I believe. Wasn't okay, it? Yeah. that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, so that was a few years before. But yeah, he did. A few, he, was, he had a run on Hot in Cleveland. Hot in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> With Betty White. With Betty White, which yeah. there's a whole bit on Community about Abed being obsessed with the show Hot in Cleveland. All right, all right. <laughs> but I love John Mahoney. We stand a legend. He has one of the best scenes in any movie ever, uh, acting-wise. It's the scene in Say Anything when his card gets declined at the luggage store and he goes home and locks himself in the bathroom and puts himself in the tub. Yeah. And yeah. just like sits there and just like realizes like everything is over. And Ioni's guy comes and knocks on the door and he's just like, I'll be out in a second. And you just see it like, oh God, I'm, I just got so sad. No, it's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's, so it's an intense moment in, yeah. in a lovely movie. Um, uh, anyway, pass, fail. He fails, okay. right? No, he, they all pass. <laughs> he sucked. This is the one thing I've seen him in that he's terrible. Uh, Tony Shaloub, who Tony Shaloub's mm. all over the place. <laughs> like sometimes I'll be he's really honest, and shit. and and I I get I get uh, I get much ire for this. I I. I Sometimes he can be a little a little too much for me. He's like a spice that you need to add just the right amount of. Like in I mean, what? Spy Kids? Monk. <laughs> I think about that show Monk. I couldn't watch it. It was Monk just, is a lot. It's too much. It's too much for me. There's but too much paprika his... on the sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Too but much he's, in the salad. He's perfect in this. And man, just he, he, there's you, too much shalub in there's too much salad. There's too much shalub. Never in, say that again. There's too much shalub in my salad. Gross. Oh, God. Do you know that he's the voice of Splinter in the... Um... I made a funny? No, no, no. He's the voice of Splinter in the freaking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, uh, movie by... What's his, not in Michael 89? Mann. What's his name? Michael Bay. Oh, no, oh, the new, no. new ones. The 2014. I was, I was oh. thinking in the Menendez ones where Splinter has the punchline at the end of the first two movies of, I made a funny. Ha 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 ha. No, no, it's, it's the all white 2014 <laughs> no. um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. That one. For the record, I just watched Starring those Megan first Fox. two movies, the 89 and 91, like at the beginning of quarantine, and they are still fucking great. Third one, I've never even seen. I've heard it's garbage, but. Third one uh, is garbage. Yeah. 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 But the first two are great. I mean, I was a Ninja Turtles fan when I was a kid though, so. Yeah. Two movies that he is phenomenal in Shaloub are uh, I mean, and he's he's phenomenal <laughs> in a lot of stuff Shaloub is Galaxy Quest. Yes. Yeah. Is a phenomenal one. Um and then he's also the vendor in Men in Black who gets his head shot off and then yep. it grows back. Yep. Yeah. That's a classic scene. Yeah. That's a straight up classic scene. Classic. That lives in my mind. Classic. Right yeah. That's a Barry, Barry Sonnenfeld. 
That's a very exactly. Sonic I was a, home. Yep. Well, right. it's synergy. It's synergy. <laughs> but stuff. It's also in the movie IQ, which is a weird, like, guilty pleasure of mine from when I was a kid, where Walter <laughs> Matthau is playing Albert Einstein and he's trying to get with two Meg Ryan to fall in love. Yeah, Meg yes. Ryan and um, oh Tim God. Robbins to fall in love. <laughs> weird. Weird. Odd. The actors' gangs. Tim Robbins. Yeah. No. What? Not that one. The one who has the uh, the show on Netflix with all of the um, <laughs> wait the sketch show on Netflix. Wait, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That guy's name I is Tim like, Robbins too, right? Did I just too, say right? something fucking stupid? No, no, I was being a dick. <laughs> Isn't that guy's name Tim Robbins too? No. It's like I think you should leave with Tim Robbins. Or some <laughs> That's <laughs> close. That's close. I think. I think. Um, I'm gonna look it up. I think you should leave. I think <laughs> you should. I'm going to leave. Hold on. The show is mine now. No, Both no. of you should leave. His name's Tim Robinson. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. And, I'm and here's trash. to you, Tim Robinson. The Graduate, one of my other all-time favorite movies. Wow, we're wow. covering a lot Simon of Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel. I like Simon and Garfunkel. I do like Simon and Garfunkel. I do too. Darkness, smiled, friend. No. no. <laughs> uh, okay. Who's next? Which actor again? Who's next? Uh, Steve Buscemi. Wait, wait. We didn't talk about Lerner. We need to talk about Michael Lerner. He's fucking oh, great. He's great. He's great in it. I yeah. Uh, and he's one of the uh, one of those great journeyman character actors who started in the 50s and 60s and just kept still does it he's still around yeah oh uh, yeah he's got stuff uh, coming out in 2022 he's yeah. he's killing the game he's also he was an elf he was an yes. elf yeah uh i always think about him in newsies he's the guy he's in newsies, newsies. He won't sell weasel. He's, weasel he's weasel he's weasel mr weasel <laughs> it's weasel how many times i gotta tell you it's weasel it's weasel um, um yeah and, and he's 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 great and he just destroys those scenes and that's the other great thing about both uh Totoro and um what's it John Polito who's the the bald like oh my lackey God, guy he's great too he's great yeah. the, the 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 way that the, the, they both sort of have their heads down they're sort of you know their eyes up on him but their heads are down and they're just absorbing these just waves oh. crashing into them of his energy apparently Polito didn't want that role he wanted a different role i can't remember which he wanted one, michael but... lerner's role oh I did is that read what that. it was yeah but uh. mcdormand called him francis mcdormand uh wife of ethan cohen or joel, joel. i, I think joel. It's yeah, joel. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah called and was like Polito, like you want change this. your career. This is your, this is your role. Take yeah. it. And he, and, and he did. And he's so great and so sad and so awesome. McDormand wow. has a cameo in the film as well. She's the first voice you hear oh. uh, on stage at the beginning during the oh, movie. Oh, okay. Okay, And cool. the male voice that you hear is John Turturro. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Isn't that kind of funny? That's, that's awesome. Cute. Um, that, digression. <laughs> but... Um, What's so one of the cool design elements going back to the whole design and look of the film is the yellows and greens. So inside the hotel, they look rotting and putrid, but then you go to the Hollywood, to the mansions, to the studio, and it's the same color scheme, but everything's brighter. The yellow is mm. more sun, the green is more, you know, trees right. and, and palm trees. And I just love the, how they played with just 
the, the shades of those two colors and repeating themselves is just badass. And I'm thinking about Michael Lerner with the with the sun coming in behind him and right. the palm tree and and like uh, it's just cool as shit. The only other person I think we should talk about is Steve Buscemi because he is probably my he's one of my favorite actors of all time. I think he's on a lot of people's lists. Uh huh. Can I he's ask a, a question? Legend. Yeah, he is a legend. Is he possibly the only character actor whose name is as well known as any other like leading human, leading actor? Yeah, you know what I mean. I like, mean, I, it's hard to tell because you, especially the three of us are so aware of him and aware of mm-hmm. stuff like like he's right. one of those na- those faces that everybody knows. Like maybe yeah, John Goodman is actually similar to this as well, but like John Turturro is not a name people everyone knows. No. Right. We know it because he's in our theater circles and stuff, but not everyone knows that name. Buscemi also has a fucking look. Like, nobody looks like him in Hollywood. Nobody looks like him in Hollywood. And he's done so much, so much vast stuff. Although I have to say that one of my favorite moments is when he hosts Saturday Night Live. And I think he's playing the Mad Hatter talking about making cars out of his own poop. And it's one of the funniest... (laughs) Like and just his delivery is just so Steve Buscemi. It's not. He's not excited. He's not crazy. Yeah. Um, But like, but that's the thing. Like he does all those Adam Sandler movies, and he always kills in them, whether they're big or small. Uh, Then you think of him. That's another Mr. Deeds performance. Yes. Yes. Genius. Crazy Eyes or whatever his name is. Yeah. And then, uh, then you think about you know. Big Lebowski, where yeah. he's so sweet, he, and Don, poor Donnie gets his ass just you know chewed out all the time, and then he ends up dead of a heart attack. It's just like he's, it's uh, so great. He's the Buddy Holly impersonator at the um, at the in Pulp Fiction. Yes, he should. <laughs> so brilliant. Like who wouldn't want that career? Like just keep going. Plus, he was like a he's a fireman, and he like was a fireman on 9-11. He right. like a, was a volunteer fire. Shit. But, like, and then he's you just have, a cool dude. You get yeah. Fargo, and that's the one that really, I think, just sends uh, him that's to this him's, level yeah, where people yeah. are like, who is this guy? Did he get and an a lot Oscar of indie, for that? Did he? I don't know. But a lot of a lot of um, indie directors start picking him up after Fargo. That's yeah. when he's like really flying through. He's, he does Kansas City. He do, then he does Escape from L.A., the John Carpenter fall. Sure. Fog, you well, know. Yeah, I'm not mad. Uh, not a phenomenal film, but he—it's no, fun. No, it's um, he's, but he's—he's he's funny. We like now. it. And then Lebowski, yeah, is the it might be oh, the, the. Doesn't he do Ghost World too? Well, so Ghost World is even later. Ghost World is after he hosts hosts SNL. Yeah. Um. So he does. Um. He does. Ghost World in two thousand one, and. Ghost World is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a it's, Scarlett Johansson, Thora Birch, Steve Buscemi. I love that film. flick. Love that flick. I love it. have it on VHS. It's sitting right here somewhere. <laughs> uh, I not that I oh, I see it. It doesn't matter, but I can see it. It's right. It's, it's on top of my best friend's wedding and under South Pacific on VHS. Y'all just imagine it. Imagine. <laughs> um, but so Ghost World is one of those that I think especially now has regained a lot of new viewership, especially now that Scarlett Johansson is so massive. People are like, I want to watch stuff that Black Widow did. That movie is underrated. I think everybody should go watch it. Go watch it. Maybe we'll do an episode on it because it's very, um, 
No, it has nothing to do with theater. It does star uh, Brad Renfro, the late great. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bob Balaban, anyone? Anyone? Bob Bueller? Balaban. Bob Balaban. One of the, like, what, there's another one that's just a character actor who's just worked since... Yeah, no one knows his name, though. From 1975 till today, he's still If you said working. Bob Balaban, people would be like, that's a name I feel like I've read on a screen before. It's a before. hell of a yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right. a good name. But I just think Bushimi, like, has this status that, like, and it, yeah, it's the look, it's the roles he's done, it's the it's the significant movies he's been in, it's the auteur directors he's attached himself to, and, and, and then Sandler, who's, I guess, an auteur in his own way. And I... Yeah. He's just, he's like in every, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him show up in a fucking Marvel film. Oh, I'm no. He hasn't no. yet. Uh, yeah, I'm either. surprised. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, no, that's the performance reviews. Um, may, may I ask my questions that yeah. completely missed the point, but I need answered regardless? Okay. Yes. Okay. So the first one was the one Scott asked, what the fuck's in the box? I mean, you feel like it's either her head or it's the head of somebody from Barton's family. Well, and that's my next question. Did John Goodman kill Barton's family? That's the question, isn't it? That's the question, isn't it? Bailey? I don't what know. Do you think? I didn't watch the ending again, so I, I don't have like a legitimate take, if you want the truth. Um, I think that... Um, I think that the, the one of the marvels of the movie... Haha... <laughs> uh, is the ambiguity. It's so loaded. Like there've been so many like essays of people breaking this down and, you know, doing Freudian analysis of Fink and uh, as a character and moving in and out and all that. And at the end of the day, and they're, they're of course the Coens are coy about all of their work and well, they should be like at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, for all of us to interpret. I mean, if John Goodman is the common man and if he's rotting from inside or if he's the emblematic of the common man that's so disdained really in truth by Barton, then what does it mean when he's losing his shit, when he's killing the cops, when fire is burning around him? There's also like there's also all this shit about reality and illusion. Like it's Hollywood, it's illusion, and like the, you got the painting of the girl on the beach, and that's an illusion in the hotel room. But then it becomes a reality later. So what's real and what's not? You know, there right. are people that think that everything that happens after the murder, after they make love, I should say, is all a dream. Mm, um, mm -hmm. but I don't, I never saw it that way. And then this most recent watch, I started picking up on the references to fascism, I think just because of, you know, post Trump stuff and noticing, you know, the, uh, you know, some of the stuff that gets mentioned, like, what, what is it that he says? It's a very, it's a very idealized time in America. I mean, you know, like I was like, yeah, pre-World War II is interesting. Well, it was in what? Oh. It's, it's based in 1941, 41, right? 41, I mean, yeah. it's just such an, I feel like. It's not a time period that we see as many films right now because it's all about, you know, World War II or wartime movies or what yeah. was going on then. And this is right before it all starts fucking really happening. Well, yeah. yeah, I guess. So there's the scene where he goes in to watch the footage of wrestling pictures, trying to understand what a wrestling picture is. is that was one of my questions. Is a wrestling movie an actual thing or was that something kind of no, made up well, as a joke kind of a little bit of both the whole that whole it's like earlier a boxing thing. movie yeah like the whole earlier thing 
where one of them had read the article about Faulkner being assigned to write a, a wrestling picture for Walter Beery, and that's mm-hmm. who he's writing for in in the movie. He's writing it for Walter Beery. Because when I kept reading B movie, I kept I kept thinking like scary movie because that's what people would say a B movie is now, like a horror flick or something. Yeah, of it meant it, would it be meant, different it just back meant then. just it just meant a you know a lower budget, and so right. the quality wasn't necessarily as good but those are the ones that were making money too huh interesting Um, something i just realized but i don't want to give away too much about the plot of this film is that so audrey the secretary that Mm -hmm. the thing happens to it played by judy davis um the thing that happens the plot point that happens he wakes up and something has happened to her Mm -hmm. that is the exact same plot of the HBO miniseries The Night Of, uh-huh. in which John Turturro is the co-star. Huh. Interesting. I just realized that. Which That's is a phenomenal not... film, and I mean a miniseries, and everyone should watch it. It's really I good. I should watch it. Ian Riz Ahmed are delicious in it. Delicious is my new way of describing things I really like. I like it. Did you have other questions, Siege? Ask another one. Uh, The only... And it was something that brought me... Um. A lot of anxiety watching it. Does he ever get his one fucking copy of Burly Man back? Because another thing that was happening to me while they had that whole long scene where the hotel was on fire, I was like, his one copy of his script. <laughs> it's not like it's saved on a cloud somewhere. And then he gives, you know, I that was my one thing. Like, what happened to it? He says it's like one of the most important things he's ever written. And he's got one fucking copy of it. I just Madness. had a lot of anxiety around that part. Yeah, right. Holy shit. Yeah. No, it's 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 a heck of a movie. And, and I want to uh, read Burly Man. Like, <laughs> I wanna, yeah, what's that the, what's description the of a character sounded really interesting to me. Um, I guess they had the Coens at one point had talked about doing a sequel, which would have been set in the '60s and would have had Barton as a uh, professor at Berkeley, um, hmm. uh, but he would have sold out friends during the Red Scare in the fifties. <gasps> he would have he would have named names. Mm-hmm. Oh so, shit! Um, uh, so that was a, an interesting thing that never never <laughs> came to fruition. He would have been a, what's his name? Who was the director that sold out people? Oh, Arthur talk- Miller? I'm no, he was there. Uh, we've talked about him before. He's directed Arthur Miller. Ilya Kazan. Yeah, Ilya Kazan. Yeah, yeah. He sold people out, right? Yeah, he did. Right? Like a motherfucker, he did. Yeah. Come, Come on, on man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Where are we what at? What else do we want to say? Is there anything else we we want to cover on this thing? Is there? Do we want to? I mean, I, I think it, it 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 is such a rich, dense movie. I, mm-hmm. I I I if you haven't seen it in a while and you're just kind of listening in. Go and watch it again. It's extraordinary performances, extraordinary direction, extraordinary cinematography, and just this. I, I wonder how they work. Like I really want to be a fly in the wall of how they work, and the fact that this or was, a mosquito or a mosquito, yeah, <laughs> the recurring mosquito, and um, and so I just want to know how they process the idea that they as artists had to stop working on a project and go and create this and create it very quickly to explore. They say they weren't really dealing with writer's block. It was it was a different thing for them, but it was still about the creative process. 
It's like they were and, writing out what they were dealing with with the script they were working on. Right. And I love and that. just the conflict between quote unquote high art and quote unquote low art and the common man and the elitist and that Barton is sort of this ineffectual, you know, leftist who who doesn't listen. He never listens. He can't he won't listen to John Goodman and just all those little layers are just just spectacular. I really enjoyed it and thanks it's for letting us talk movie. about it. I loved watching it. I mean, it's on I can't say it's like anything else I've ever seen before, but I've still I still really enjoyed it and I was glad to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I kept comparing it to things on this rewatch um uh like delicatessen like uh even like wes anderson's darjeeling limited in some Mm -hmm. ways which Mm -hmm. is like a weird uh, step away for him where he's still doing his stylistic stuff but it's like kind of dirty too and it kind of works um there's some gilliam here there's some brazil yeah you know like here but also like it's so also different from anything you're right see like it's 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 completely different i kept trying to compare it to these things because it was giving me similar vibes but like this movie stands out it stands alone and like i said as a as somebody who's like currently (laughs) fully deciding to write like it's scary and it is la does sometimes feel like a gilliam film or like this film like it is it's it's icky and it's sweaty and there are nights where i'm up writing and i'm sweating and it does feel like the wallpaper is like peeling around me and i'm just like i feel so gross i will say um something that it definitely capture that it captures and i think i think at this point doesn't work anymore and maybe it's just because i've lived in la for 15 years now and have been doing the theater thing but it's the whole like the heart and the artisticness of new york and plays and broadway and then the vapidity and the um the money of los angeles and how it's just about making money and being famous which i would say now I don't. I don't think LA is that way at all. It's, but I. I don't know that LA had the same theater scene that it does now in the '40s. You know, in the '40s, it was all about the golden age of Hollywood and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. There's. There's. There's that layer too of, of New York, LA, and Broadway being high art and oh i'm i'm not gonna write for movies right and it takes stabs at both cities in the perfect way i mean one of the funniest to bring up steve buscemi again that chet i'm chet hey i'm chet chet exclamation point um (laughs) when he first meets him he goes are you a trans or a res yeah trans or res and it's (laughs) like it's you know i mean it's a simple poke at our like weird incessant need to abbreviate everything but it's also this like you know like i remember um i went to visit my brother at pepperdine one time and he was like you want to go to booyo and i went the fuck is that he goes oh it's malibu yogurt shop but we call it booyo (laughs) did you did you promptly just just backhand him across the face twice come on we do it we do it all the time on this podcast though we have the yeah. fucking time we're, we we're, we're no assholes we are lokes we're locals so i'm a loke we, i'm a loke i'm a loke <laughs> are you a loke have you been here seven years are you a loke yet oh i mean i'm a double loke i think I'm... eight years is you're a loke a local uh eight, uh 14 years you're a loco i'm a loco crazy <laughs> um <laughs> Come to L.A. Make theater with us. Um, all right. So <laughs> is there anything else we want to say? Scott, this was your pick. 
final word. No, thank you all for letting me w- watch it again and and talk about it again. No, <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to give you the final word. I thought of something I wanted to say. I love. <laughs> Wow. Wow. What I meant was, was, I'm going to give it to you, but let me say one more thing first, which is um, the monotonous repetition of like this. It has like an Ionesco feel sometimes. And I wanted to make sure I said that because it has something to do with uh, playwright. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well done. Well done. Okay, Scott. Great. Again, thank you both for letting me watch it and talk about it. It's it's fucking badass. uh, And it is endured. Like, it still looks good. It's 30 years old. It still looks good. And it is, for being set in the 1940s, kind of timeless in what it's talking about in a lot of ways. So, yeah. A lot of yeah. LA's apartment buildings still look like that because they wrong. haven't this changed. True. That's true. Oh my god, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for our theater. Theater presents and stuff. Barton Fink. Uh, I'm really having a lot of fun making the art for this one. It's actually really exciting. I'm gonna send <gasps> yeah. it to you. Uh, I made like three though because I was like really bored and so I'll, uh, listening to uh, us. No, 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 not just now. I, I, the other day at work, I, there was a... Oh, okay, here's a story. The other day at work, this is why I had time to do this and not watch Barton Fink, okay? I was at work, and something happened where we got a text late one night during a show where somebody said, uh, one of the stage managers said, hey, I think there's a bird in the shop. And I was like, oh, that stinks. Well, I'll, I'll get it out tomorrow. That's whatever. And they're like, okay, cool. I showed up the next morning, and I went up into the prop loft, because I couldn't find it in the shop. I went up into the prop loft, which is above the shop, with all of our furniture. And not only was there mountains of shit, but there was dead pigeons that had been eaten by a giant hawk that was living up in the prop loft for a moment. Bad ass. I named it Michelle Fiverr. That is Awesome. I named it Michelle. It's Michelle Pfeiffer, Lady Hawk herself, and she is a badass and she was flying all over the place, but she killed some pigeons first. And I spent the entire day yesterday from eight AM to seven PM sitting in the shop with the lights off trying to get her to fly out the giant elephant doors. And she just like wouldn't do it. So, like, I tried things at first, like, waving stuff and, like, doing whatever, and she wasn't having it. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit here very quietly because you're probably afraid of me. And um, we bonded. We became best friends. It was the craziest thing that's ever happened. Um, But it did happen. We're both lokes. Um, Anyway, thank you for joining us for... Theater Theater Presents and stuff. Uh, Barton Fink. Uh, Join us next week as we do a Bailey's pick. What is it, Bailey? Oh, thank you, Bailey. It is Diana the Musical. Go watch it on Netflix, uh, and we'll see you next week so we can talk about it. Siege? Questions, comments, suggestions. Uh, Do you want to tell us what you think about Barton Fink? We would love to hear. Maybe you want to tell us how hot you are. That'd be great, too. You can email us uh, or you can send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You.
Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our special mm, stuff theme song. Pam also contributes every, to every episode that we do, and we love her and thank her so very much. Also, a big thank you and shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's true. And he also writes all of our stingers, and he's a general badass. And finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning uh, playwright Annie Baker for writing every single one of uh, our episodes. We love you, <laughs> Annie Baker. Wow. And one day soon, we're going to buy you a beer. We sure will. Yes. Heineken? I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy Annie Baker whatever the fuck Annie Baker wants. Yeah. To Golden Road get up off of that brown. What what if it was like Pap's blue ribbon? That's I, what I always say. I think that's what she'll she'll oh. choose. I think that's it. That or Coors Banquet. Okay. <laughs> we love you all so very much. You have heard he was born in the bogs. That he feeds on the flies and the frogs. You call him beast or changeling or demon chimpanzee, but we will prove he's no such thing. He's just like me and me. Oh, hold me, bad boy. Touch me, bad boy. Help me through the night. Love me, bad boy. Save me, this bad one boy. Feels long. Make it out. Not Jared Leto. <laughs> All night. It's the face that's selling it. I don't know if the audio will. Anyway, <laughs> later, everybody. <Robert> Pattinson. <laughs> the theater. The theater.